Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. My fabulous co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja, is here. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources so they can achieve organizational greatness. Natalie, there's nothing better than getting money you don't have to work for. Oh, yes. Is that even possible? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's why everybody loves a third party event. Oh, I thought you were talking about a magical money tree you had outside and no, I was going to go no. grab it. But this is that great thing when um, another organization or company puts on some event for you. But I guess I had some questions about how much work does your organization have to right. do that when somebody else is throwing this event for you. So I brought in an expert. Good. Um, Maureen Barber-Hill from the LSS. Association is here. Welcome, Maureen. Tell us a little bit about hey, yourself. Maureen. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, I've been, you know, in the nonprofit world for about 25 years now, so I'm no spring chicken. Um, so <laughs> you started when you were 12. Yeah, you yeah, got right. it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but, you know, being with the ALS Association, like you said, it's, it's incredible when people um, all of a sudden pick up the phone, they call you and say, we have a check to deliver. Can you come pick up a check? So <laughs> yeah, our yay. organization is, you know, we do nothing as a fee for the patients and families that we serve. So everything that we do to support that is through fundraising. Yeah. Uh, we don't get any government uh, subsidies, uh, everything except for the United Way money that we receive. And we are grateful for that, um, you know, is hitting the turf and, you know, going out and fundraising and doing events and um, that our local supporters who are have an affinity for our organization, but those people who have third party events are marvelous. Yes. Yeah. So let's first talk about third party events. So for today, anyways, and guys jump in here if I'm, I'm wrong. So I'm defining it as these are events that some other group or organization is doing for you, sometimes using your branding, sometimes not. Um, the funds are going back to your organization in some manner. So mm -hmm. Maureen, what are some of the most successful ones you've seen so far? Well, let's go back to 2014, and I guess you could say the Ice Bucket Challenge oh, might have been. Someone may have heard of that. A, in our a listening group, quite big uh, third-party event, but that was worldwide. Mm -hmm. But it, like the smaller events, it was very organic, and that's how yeah. these things start. Um, so, top of mind for me today is um, we had just received notice that one of our families, a person with ALS who is a um, school teacher, special education, um, I, I believe she's an administrator in a small town in Nokomis, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And there are several high schools that got behind the high school where herself and her daughter, who's also a special education teacher, decided that they were going to put on the mannequin challenge. Have you heard of that one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's another grassroots yes. 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 Well, lo and behold... They won with over 400,000 votes Wow! for their mannequin crazy. challenge. <laughs> and so we found out through the grapevine and then lo and behold, $50,000 is being split between the school <gasps> wow. district and the ALS Association. That's amazing. amazing. So, and, and that has just happened this past week. Wow. So. You know what I love about stories like that is that people think, oh, well, I can't afford to give a lot. I don't have a lot of money. I don't mm -hmm. have a lot of, you know, I, I, can, I can't really write a check because dot, dot, dot. But yet this is a beautiful example of someone who says, hey, I see there's an opportunity. I have a charity that I love. I'm going to connect my passion with someone else and put this together as this contest. And 
look at all the all the benefits from the children of the school district as well as the great work that your organization's doing. That's that's phenomenal. And the thing that is priceless is all of these third party events and especially this one that, you know, four hundred thousand people yeah. know about <laughs> ALS because yeah. of this person with ALS who was you know, helping to to organize this event and, you know, like the ice bucket challenge, you know, people didn't know we were not on the map. Mm -hmm. And because of these things, it just, you know, the general awareness that we get from these opportunities is priceless. That's amazing. So how do you find organizations or do they find you like in this case where you didn't really find them, they found you? what, What do you find is the norm? Well, you know, I think it's probably a 50 50 split that yes, we do get the phone call and say, Hey, we've done this event, but so it's after. Okay. But the other 50% is we do so much cultivation of the people who are supporters of the ALS association. You know, we have over 5,000 people who attend the walk to defeat ALS. There are a, a lot of families right there that we become close to Mm -hmm. those that come back year after year. A lot of them do what we call wraparound events. So we encourage people who want to raise money to the walk to defeat ALS. If you want to have a walk team, then they do their own little third party events. And that's what we call wraparound events that feed into that team's goal and fundraising. Uh, for for that event. So there was one family that their walk team uh, after the walk was over in June last year, decided they wanted to, you know, the walk website is open through November. So they decided they wanted to continue to raise money and they held a trivia event and raised another $20,000. So what we do in our development staff, um, our care services staff, communication staff, everyone become so close to these families. And, you know, we serve about 300 patients each year and we can't get to everyone, but that is always something top of mind that we talk about because people always want to give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is an incredible opportunity to increase awareness, to get a gathering. Uh, we have, you know, and it's amazing how the small towns and the small communities, St. Louis community, pretty large, Walk to Defeat ALS brings 5,000 people. But when you go to Paris, Illinois, and you have a tractor pull and pull in $25,000, or you go to Effingham and you have a Jeep run, uh, and there's another $10,000. Kemswick has a 5K run. Um, That's done anywhere from ten dollars to $25,000 over the past several years annually. So, you know, just continuing to cultivate those relationships. And, you know, I'm, I'm a prime example. I have a personal connection to ALS. My father passed away from the disease in 1992. And I was always a volunteer because a couple of years after my dad passed, the chapter was very good to my mother, giving her resources uh, to help manage the disease with my dad. And she wanted to do something back to give back. So my dad was one of the original founders of Tamarack 
golf course oh, sure. here in Shiloh, Illinois. And so we did a little golf tournament and raised $10,000 and said, woohoo, you know, that That's was great. That <laughs> was great. And it was fun. Let's do it again. But there's a lot of our listeners who, if they raised $10,000 off their golf tournament, would be extremely <laughs> thrilled with that, right? <laughs> well, now, after 22 years, well, first, after 10 years of doing that as a family third-party event and raising a lot of money for the chapter, myself and my family got a little burned out with trying to manage that event by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Of course, we had the chapter who was there to assist, but it's it's a lot when you're doing event mm -hmm. after event and you're yeah. a family and you're doing, you know, your own business and personal life. So after 10 years, we said, why don't you consider making it a chapter event? So the executive at that time said, we'll do that. So they took it across to uh, Forest Park and it's been there ever since. And we're going into our 22nd year. Wow. And now it's a chapter uh, event. Wait, so what a wonderful way to honor his legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So the same thing is happening with another event. And that's what I'm saying. The more you get to know families and work with them in this capacity mm -hmm. and they see that they can get support from you and they see that there's benefit, mm -hmm. then just like the Kimswick 5K run, that was a family that was doing this to support the medical cost of this patient uh, because she's, she needed 24-7 skilled nursing care. And we can only provide some respite care, but it's not an end-all. Um, it's only to get that caregiver out of the house for periods of time. So he needed 24-7 skilled care. So they started this Kimswick run to support Nancy's uh, care and Nancy passed this past year and with us working with the family, we've become so close to them. They asked us to do the same thing. We've made a lot of money for this event. We would love to leave a legacy to Nancy. Would you take it on as a chapter event? So this will be the first year that we'll be doing that event as an ALS event. That's Very awesome. Cool. So how much, um, how, what's the usual level of staff involvement in, in your third party events? The ones that you know of in advance, I guess. We have been around the block with trying to figure out the best mix for this. Mm -hmm. um, we do have an agreement that we want to go into, a written agreement with mm -hmm. a family or a person who wants to do a third-party event. And the agreement stipulates that we will support them by helping them with collateral materials, helping them with advertising through social media and the newsletter, um, on the website, and supporting the chapter by being there physically, if we can, to be able to provide information and education to people that come to the event. So it gets a little tricky, though, when you have a region so wide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That You're going is, all the way to Paris. And right. To Kim because yeah. we <laughs> serve eastern Missouri and central and southern mm -hmm. Illinois. So then trying to manage who goes. Mm -hmm. Is it the case manager who is working with that patient? Is it the development staff? Um, is it the CEO? Is it who is it? Mm -hmm. Who's going this time? Is a board member going? So we've really tried all types <laughs> of ways to manage this. And uh, I don't have a best answer for that. But we okay. we try to, you know, just do what makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and those that are available will go. 
So there's yeah. really no mandate as to who physically goes, but we always try to make sure someone is there and, and present to support that family. You know, some of what we've talked about when we when I hear the numbers, which are really impressive, could be a little intimidating to some of our audience. Mm-hmm. I know there, there there's a lot of one to four person, five person staffed mm-hmm. organizations. And there I can think already where they're listening to this and thinking, we don't have the staff to send like that. We don't have the resources of 5,000 walkers. We don't, we don't have that. And I want to break it into small pieces that they realize that everyone can do this because what we're talking about is what, or at least what I hear you talking about is, Hey, we found someone who's really passionate about what we're doing with our organization. And then we support them in the ways that make sense to the event in order for it to be successful. And if you take that formula and you apply it, to your organization, regardless of the size, right? Then you know they're out there. If you're in a small town, find your find your local restaurant or your local business person who's very interested in this, and figure out a way to make that work. Whether it's a, a restaurant night where proceeds benefit, or uh, perhaps it's a catering, you know, so make catering during the month that is recognizing uh, you know your event. They could do a wraparound type piece with that. But if you take that formula, you could apply it no matter how big or small the organization is. And we've done exactly that because there are times when we don't have staff to attend those events or board members that are available. So, you know, what we we have done is put together a toolkit. So if a family from, you know, 200 miles away calls and says we're doing this event, we have a toolkit. And it's really just a backpack of brochures, you know, arm bracelets. Um, anything that we can provide a banner so that they can at least have some ALS information there for that event. Um, so we've done that. That's very cool. And now does that toolkit come back to you then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That, that's really, that's a great tip of advice for people yeah. who are starting to have that resource available. And with our association, since it is a disease that a person has, and usually there are more than one person in a community that has that disease. Um, we can reach out sometimes to others who have either lost someone to ALS, currently have someone living with ALS, um, or just an advocate for us that we know live in that community and can go for us. Yeah. That's awesome. Very awesome. So one of the things that actually got me thinking about this topic, kind of towards the end of 2016, there was a situation where there was a golf event held in Columbia, supposedly for big national charity, local chapter. I don't really want to say the organization's name because I don't want to give them more bad press about this situation. But it ended up featuring some strippers and maybe some sex acts and all kinds of crazy things. Um, The organizer actually was later charged with a couple of of crimes. Um, (laughs) The organization said, we didn't know anything about this. You know, kind of one of those, we didn't know. So what do you guys think that there's some ways charities can, what can charities do to make sure something like this never happens and you don't get this kind of bad press around your organization? Wow, that's tough. Because, you know, one of the things I heard you say is you don't know what you don't know, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you just get this check. Right, right. Yeah. And there are things that don't align with your mission. I think that's really important. This doesn't align with No, I would not think there's a lot of charities out there that where strippers would align. But, you know, I'm going to probably stand and be corrected and someone will comment on our Facebook page and correct me. Uh, And uh, I'd be curious as to what those are actually now that we're talking about them. But nonetheless, there's simple things that perhaps don't align with your core values of your organization. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're serving youth, 
tobacco and alcohol may be something depending on your you know bylaws that you may not want to get involved in with regards to a sponsorship or an activity. Not always, but I see that sometimes online. You also see uh, pro-life and pro-choice organizations where mm-hmm. you have something that's based in certain roots, uh, the organization is, and then there's an alignment issue there. And uh, th- that's a big, tough challenge when there's so many people trying to do so much good and you don't know until after. So I think there's a whole conversation that probably could be had on a future show, uh, <laughs> uh, save save that opportunity for what happens when you get a check and you realize where it came from and now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the purpose of this, for those things you know about, how do you, have you had to have any of those tough conversations with someone to say, wow, thanks for thinking of having us as the proceeds uh, benefactor of your uh, chicken fight, but I don't know if that's <laughs> going to be something we're going to be interested in. Have you had anything like that well, before? Well, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but now that you put it out there, I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> Farmers watch your chickens. Yeah. Well, I think one thing charities can do too, I think that's probably really important, is to have Google Alerts around your organization. Thank you. Uh, Could you, you explain know. more about what that is? Sure. So it's something that you can do. You can go into Google News and you can set up an alert in there that'll go to your email. And basically anytime, um, whatever your search fields are, so, you know, your organization's name, your organization's name plus whatever, you'll actually get an email saying, hey, this has been, this is out there in the world and um, may, may have stopped this before it got to the point that it did. Maybe not. I, You know, I, it was one of those things that I didn't hear about it until KMOV was reporting about it. And so. probably needed that organization too yes. much yes. <laughs> until they so. got that phone call. <laughs> I think it's tough. Uh, you know, I've had the conversation, a tough conversation before in my previous uh, role in an organization where uh, a donation wanted to take place and they wanted to do a poker run. And the powers that be in the organization were really struggling with the idea of gambling being associated with their organization. Mm. Now, I've uh, attended uh, poker runs before. I've witnessed the fun that happens. I've witnessed the shenanigans that happens with them. Uh, But here was a really great down-home group that wanted to honor a friend uh, who was associated uh, by by virtue of the organization and said, let's honor their memory and do this poker run. And they wanted to use our logo and they wanted to have materials there. And boy, there was just a lot of nervous, nervous people about, I'm not sure if this is comfortable. What would happen if, and they started going worst case scenario planning, what would happen if someone drank too much and then the police got involved and the frontline headline said ABC charity event, you know, that would be the front headline. Sounds like your 2016 reference, you know? Uh, So I just had a really crucial conversation with the coordinator and said, here's our concerns. We know you have the right idea. We know you've got safety in place. So we need to be very careful about this. We don't want to be a sponsor of this event. We're happy if you would like to do the proceeds because we don't, it's not in a direct conflict of, of our, of our guidelines. Uh, but we are very uncomfortable with you using our logo or any of our branding materials on it. Simply letting people know that you'll be donating it to us is perfectly fine. If they want to write the checks, you know, to us, that's fine. Um, and we're even happy at the end to do a photo after the event. Have you come here to our location? We'll do a, a, a photo release and you can have that with your uh, with your press release you'd like to do. And when I just had the heart to heart, they were completely understanding mm-hmm. and said, we all just want to have fun. This is what we all like to do. And uh, <laughs> right. with a very great accent, by the way, that I can't pull off because it was cute. <laughs> uh, but I think that's the most important thing, Marjorie, if I would give advice for third party events is if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't pass the sniff test, if you're if you can't, if you can't imagine you having a conversation with a very important donor or board member about this event and that makes you uncomfortable, you probably need to check that gut and figure out what it is and just have a crucial conversation and 
see what that looks like. Most people are very understanding about uh, rules, regulations, guidelines, and they just want to do what's right. Right. And you bring up the branding and the logo and, and those are the kinds of issues that usually crop up for us and that we will find someone through a Google search or mm-hmm. something uh, through social media and find out that someone's having an event and they're using our ALS logo because they'll just lift it right off the website. Oh, right. Very and so <laughs> we have to, you know, do a little bit of investigating and find out what's going on, <laughs> who's having the event. And that's not something that we, um, we offer to use our logo on third party events. Mm, really? That's now Marjorie, what about you? Do you offer? logo use we that that's well, this this is a, a good topic for us because we don't actually have any policy around this whatsoever because it's only happened a few times for us okay. so uh the only time that we've had this happen was uh rotary club wanted to do a wine uh did a show like a car show for us okay and so we we're like sure use our logo whatever but we we need some we need some, some policies <laughs> yeah and you know even yeah. though we have that agreement mm-hmm. and it does spell out that you know we can help you with the collaterals and the marketing behind that um it, it's still a fogginess yeah <laughs> uh, because it depends on the level of support that we're giving that event mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes right. we choose to go all in and at that point if we're going all in and we really are helping to manage and coordinate and you know draw sure. people to the event, then mm-hmm. then we may use our logo. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's just someone blindly doing something and we really don't know anything about them, right? then we, we kind of steer them in a way that promotes it as a community event, proceeds going to the ALS Association. Yeah. I think it's always your safe uh, risk, you know, the risk-free way to go about it. Right. You know, if you just say the proceeds benefiting, you have the tagline, right. You can have the website on there so then they can drive right. to the professional website that's available. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've had uh, a few, we've had the privilege of having a few organizations that would like to do this with us. Uh, and most recently, uh, there was a bank that is participating in one of our events, but they wanted to make their own shirts because when they came, they wanted to oh, be a cool. part of that. And they said, can we use the logo, your logo on our shirts? And I said, if we pre-approve the shirt design, yes. Because you just don't know right. what that design is mm-hmm. going to be. And then all of a sudden, splash, there's your logo. And uh, we wanted to also make sure they didn't stretch the logo incorrectly or use a color that wasn't appropriate. And uh, and they gave a very nice, this is our shirt and this is your logo. It was a very calm shirt, you might say. But we were thrilled because for us, buying a shirt, putting our logo on it and getting it out there is expensive. Mm-hmm. And to have a third party that says, we want to make our own shirts and bring them mm-hmm. And this is an event that wouldn't have shirts normally. So mm-hmm. now they're going to be walking away with this and they're giving them to all their employees who are participating. Awesome. And they're going to be walking around with our logo on their shirt associated with a great third party uh, yeah. who we, we has a great reputation. So in that case, we were like, yeah, absolutely. But we're very protective of our logo as well. Right. And I think it's for a good cause. We just, you know, our, our, your logo is your brand. Your brand is your mission. And once you put it out there, then you run the risk of... Uh, they run the risk of jeopardizing what that might look like. It's out of your control. And I don't know if anyone's noticed. Yeah. I like to be in control. <laughs> <laughs> and then control is safe. It's right here in my bubble, right? It's in my hula hoop. So, <laughs> so we've got a couple minutes left. So um, let's talk about our most successful experiences with third-party events. So Natalie, we'll start with you. Excellent. 
So we like to do uh, restaurants because they're simple, easy, and don't require a lot of staff participation. So that's been a big push for us. Uh, restaurants are usually loving to bring in new customers. Uh, so it's been a great opportunity for us to engage that way. But when we talk about success, and that's defined by so many ways, uh, nonprofit world, no money, no mission. So I mm-hmm. think of funding-wise, uh, we have a great partner, uh, and I'm happy to give them a shout-out, and that's Putker Construction in Clinton County. They are phenomenal uh, with the organization that I work with. They put on a golf tournament every year. And when I say put it on, they control all the marketing, all the advertising. They send out all of the vendor participation. All of the uh, checks come back to them. All the expenses in their budget. They take it out. They write the net check and do a check presentation to us. They ask us to please show up that day, give out information, accept the check, and maybe hand out a couple drinks on the drink card. Uh, (laughs) It's a real tough day, but it is a beautiful tournament. They do a fantastic job. Danielle and her team out there do phenomenal. And uh, really, it's a win-win for us because it's very lucrative. It goes right towards the mission. It takes very little of our staff time, which is a most precious resource for a small nonprofit. So... Uh, we appreciate all they do for us. Awesome. Maureen, what about you? Well, I think I mentioned like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess the the Kimswick 5K run that started out for Nancy, who had ALS for a total of seven, almost seven years. Wow. And for a family to take on such an event, if you've ever uh, put together a run and doing the logistics and having... Um, you know, someone come in and do the timekeeping and all of that. And then the whole town of Kimswick, all the shops, um, the, um, oh my goodness, you've all been to Kimswick and mm-hmm. I, the name escapes Blue me. Owl. Blue, Blue Owl. Owl. Thank you very much. Like the thing in, all um, I can think of is their pie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. And it's a mile high mm-hmm. pie that the winner wins. Oh. Yeah. Um, I, don't know I, I don't know if I believe you. I think when you come back from Kimswick, you might have to bring one for us <laughs> to take a look at it. <laughs> but, you know, for that to start because there was such a need for Nancy and that's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And we were there with the table, with education materials, but the money went to Nancy. And at the end of every run, Greg, her spouse and caregiver, turned around and gave us a portion of those proceeds to the mm-hmm. ALS Association because he wanted to help others. And so it's just been a very special relationship uh, building over the last, you know, six years or so that we've known the family. And for us to consider adding another chapter of that, which I hate to even yeah. think about doing. Right. Your head just exploded, actually, <laughs> as you said that. Um, but this just felt right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Marjorie, what about you? So, you know, this didn't actually raise us a ton of money, but I felt like it was maybe our cutest um the third party event. We have a volunteer who's been with us for over 35 years. She's a member of uh, Barbershop Quartet and a, a larger singing group in the area. And they did um, singing Valentines and, you know, Aww. like 10 or $20 each. The proceeds ended up coming back to us. But it was really cool because we sent a couple ourselves and then, you know, it was just we didn't make a ton of money off of it. But it was a really neat way for a volunteer of ours to give back and for us to not right. really have to do anything other than some social media pushes and you know, signs around the office and stuff like that. That's fantastic. And that goes back to my comment that was at the beginning of the show, which was you don't have to be able to write a big check to Mm -hmm. make a big impact. You just have to have a big heart. And that volunteer sounded like she had the biggest heart of all. She's got a huge heart. We love her. (laughs) 
So thank you, Maureen, for joining us today. And absolutely, good luck on all your events, Thanks third party or not. <laughs> thank you. You too. And uh, thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. It makes us all sound really good. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And uh, please go to iTunes or Stitchers or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.